You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Oh, happy day. Welcome inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And we've got the latest from week two of organized team activities with the Black and Gold. Some roster moves, some changes in, I don't know if you consider it front office, but definitely personnel. Also get into some of the audio that we got from organized team activities and maybe some controversial takes from the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear. Jeff, uh, you know, it was another thrilling uh, non-padded session of organized team activities where we really saw just more of the special teams work than honestly anything team related. But we did get to see some uh, some stuff. Uh, and uh, uh, one person who continues to shine, uh, Rashid Shahid. I, I know it's a little too early to get overly excited about players, but he's someone that came in with a different body from last season even. Yeah, and last in the last episode, we kind of went through the quick takeaways from practice. You know, we heard from Dennis Allen. So we're going to hear from more of the players today, I think is important. But yeah, Rashid Shahid is someone we can definitely get into. We'll also have Clips from Jameis. We talked to him. We'll have Alante Taylor. We'll have Demario Davis. We'll have a lot of that. We also have a clip from Mickey Loomis that I want to play. But first, let's go through the just the quick moves that, that were made uh, yesterday because they weren't big, but they were notable. Uh, so the Saints signed fullback Jake Vargas, B-A-R-G-A-S, not exactly a household name, gives this team two fullbacks. So maybe they are considering moving on from Adam Prentice. I don't know. Not exactly a top-of-the-barrel question answer but we'll get to it big competition um, battle come camp at fullback right right uh prentice great mustache they also signed tight end jesse james which is a bit more notable you know six seven two fifty big guy hey, you know yeah he had a solidly productive career with the steelers he was there for four years he caught more than 100 passes more than a thousand yards nine touchdowns he has not been productive the last four years he spent two years with the lions a year with the bears and last year with the Browns, I think he spent most of the year on injured reserve with a biceps injury. But, you know, he's an interesting guy. He has had production in the NFL. He is a viable blocker, right? right. So he's a he might be a useful guy to keep around. Again, 6'7". That's just something the Saints don't have is a big tight end, right? So now they do. And to make room for him, they, ki- they kicked. They waived kicker Alex Quavedo. So that puts them at the 90-man roster. They still have two kickers, which the other one is Blake Groupie, the UDFA out of Notre Dame. And I'm glad they did this because I kept hearing like, oh, they're holding a roster spot open because they're going to trade for Hunter Renfro. And like, they might trade for Hunter Renfro. That's not why they're holding a roster spot open. Those two things are not connected to each other. So now we're at 90. So any moves from this point on will require a corresponding move in terms of signings. Like they could obviously cut some players and whatever. Um, But yeah, so those are some moves. And so we'll see those two guys out at uh, OTAs next week. Yeah, with Jesse James, for me, too, I I thought it was pretty important just because you look at it. Obviously, you have Jawan Johnson, then you have Foster Morrow. After that, you know, third man up would have been what? Lucas Kroll. So it's good to have another veteran experienced guy coming in. We'll see what he has left in the tank kind of deal. Yeah, Taysom. Taysom's everywhere, though. So And he's not blocking. He's everywhere, but 
New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> He's not here right now. Um, but yeah, no, the tight end room was like it looked really thin when you traded Adam Troutman. Suddenly it's it's this busy, bustling room. So, you know, I, I don't expect Jesse James to make the roster, but he does fit in with New Orleans because he owns one of the worst calls in NFL history. If you go back to 2017, I tweeted about this. It was one of those Des Bryant type plays where he clearly caught it and he extended it for a touchdown and he got into the end zone. And they were like, no, 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 sorry. The, you, you dropped the ball five minutes after you caught it. Doesn't count. That was in week one against the Patriots, I believe, back in 2017. I, I love your post about him saying, oh, at least, you know, we won't have something like this. And a fan goes, oh, don't tempt fate, Jeff, please. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was kind of expecting that response. But I think my reaction to him was like, if he's ever in a position where he could be a victim of a bad call, it's a massive upset and things have gone terribly wrong. So keep that in mind. Anyway, one more note. Uh, the Saints, actually, well, I have two more notes. One is that the Saints parted ways, I guess you would say. I don't think firing is is the right, right. term. Contract was up. They kind of both, from the report, saying he wanted to spend more time with family. Yeah. And so the guy we're talking about, if <laughs> you should yeah. mention, uh, is Ryan Herman. He was the head of the analytics team with the Saints. And whether it was a family thing and he just needed more time, whatever, he had to move on, I do think that this team's relationship with analytics could improve in terms of how they use them in game. And so maybe it is an opportunity to get a little for more proactive in that regard and hire someone who's going to be a little more, I don't know if pushy is the word, but uh, aggressive with, no, you got to do this in this situation. Like, this is nonsense. <laughs> you know, stop punting on fourth and one at their 48-yard line. Just go for it. Stuff like that. Uh, and because I think that the way this team uses analytics right now is – okay, what is the analytics advice? I'm going to agree with it maybe five times out of 10. And that's probably what most NFL teams would have done five years ago. It's what Sean Payton did his entire career. In today's NFL, the analytics are so advanced that it should be eight, maybe nine times out of 10. If the analytics says do something, you do it. And that one time out of 10 where you just have a really strong gut feeling that you don't agree with it, sure, you can do that. But in, in most cases, green means go. And if you are going against it, it's a mistake. Like, that's what college teams do now. And I think that if you go ask Brian Kelly whether he thought it was a good idea to go for two against Alabama, he'd tell you the analytics said yes. Uh, and so, like, that's and, – and, and the thing, too, is, like, when you're D Dennis Allen and you're trying to explain the decision you made and you can just say, well, the analytics said so, no one's going to question that. I think it gives you a buffer as a head coach. So I'd like to see them use that more often. It'll be interesting, too, just because, you know, you recall Sean Payton when he went to Denver, one of the first things in his press conferences he said was even that the Broncos' analytics were far ahead of what he was, you know, had with the Saints. Well, isn't isn't that on him, though, kind of thing? Well, you know, it's like the analytics staff can be better, but it still depends on how you choose to use it. Like the analytics can't make decisions for you in game. You have to use them. Uh, so yeah. that's something. So that's just something to watch. I don't know if it's going to make a difference, but they do are going to have a new head of their analytics department. Never met the old guy. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, they're not forward facing positions. I didn't know no, his right. name until he got let go. But all right. So one other thing that, that we heard from this week was Mickey Loomis talking about Cam Jordan. And I'm just going to play this because I did a whole podcast segment recently about how Cam Jordan is going to get a contract extension and it is only a matter of time. And so here's Mickey Loomis on Sirius XM saying the exact same thing. I know Cam Jordan's kind of lobbying for that deal to kind of to, to, to retire as a New Orleans Saint. Have you guys begun any discussions in, in that space? Yeah, look, when he talks about retirement, I think he's thinking it's years down the road and so am I. Exactly. But yeah, I, I don't Listen, he's going to be able to play for us as long as he wants to and as long as he can. And then when the time comes, he'll, his name will be up on that ring of honor and, and in our Hall of Fame and all those other accolades that come with a, a player his stature. He's meant so much to not just the organization, but the community and, and how he's embraced New Orleans. And, and yeah, he'll, he'll definitely be with us for the duration of his career. There you have it. Right. <laughs> Mickey Loomis, not one for maximizing leverage in contract negotiations, apparently. <laughs> but neither is Cam. Like, if you are Cam's agent, you are looking at this as, okay, well, we're, what's the number? Like, let's figure it out. Because Cam's not projecting that he's even considering going anywhere else. And Mickey and the Saints aren't projecting that they're even considering letting him walk. And it's in part, the unspoken part for the Saints is that there's a massive dead cap hit associated with Cam Jordan not being on the team next year. And they won't accept that either way. 
But like in reality, I do think part of it is like he's still playing at a high enough level to keep around. And he is that guy. So we would rather keep him if we can. And so there it is. But it is that simple. Like he's going to get re-signed. He's going to get an extension. It's going to be team friendly. And there's no reason debating it. The other thing he said in that interview was that he he called Cesar Ruiz an ascending player. He lumped him with Eric McCoy and all these other guys who have gotten big contract extensions. And to me, you know, you hear that and you're like, okay, well, why didn't you pick up his fifth year option? And to me, it's because this is a team that is fully planning on extending him, assuming he is able to come back from that Liz Frank injury healthy. And they were never going to pay him whatever that fifth year option was going to cost, which would have been expensive. I think it would have been like $13 million a season. So like, I, th- I fully expect Cesar Ruiz to get an extension as well. You try not to read too much into attendance. Obviously, we've talked about it, organized team activities. But Ruiz, while he is doing his rehab work, he is one of the guys that is president, not you know, kind of out on his own doing things. And that that does to me say a lot, obviously, that he wants to be around this team. I'm sure he wants to stay here as well, where he's been, you know, building his career so far. And yeah, I, I wouldn't I don't think too much into the fact that they haven't they didn't extend, you know, get that extension done with him right away. Uh, I do expect he's a guy that'll be around it. But you know what? Well, I mean, who who knows what like a Nick Saldaveri could present and maybe, you know, kind of, I don't want to say force their hand, but cause them to think otherwise of of maybe offering a big deal. See, I don't think that's going to affect Ruiz. I think it's going to affect Pete. And I got Andres you, right. Pete is on the final year of his deal as well. Yeah. You did restructure that deal, which <laughs> surprised me, but they only converted $4 million of his salary. So it's not a major restructure. I expect him to be off the roster next year. And, and it's not even because of like the quality of play. It's just because you can't trust him anymore and you haven't been able to for the last several years. And if Nick Saldaveri is up there and performing well, you might as well go with him. Yeah, I shoot, do you think, saw a guy like Teron Armstead, you couldn't rely on, they let go. Well, right. And, you know, you compared Teron Armstead to Cam, and Mickey said similar things about Teron in that, like, oh, when he's done, he's going to come and he's going to be in our Team Hall of Fame. He didn't say Ring of Honor, but he didn't say Team Hall of Fame. He said Ring of Honor for Cam, which is slightly higher. But, yeah, and I think that's because, you know, you like the, that's the difference between Teron and Cam, is Cam is still reliable, and, and the durability is there. And so you're able to be a little bit more proactive with, you know, yeah, we can trust him. So we can extend him now as opposed to, I, you know, I don't know how many years Teron has left in his body. Like Cam, it's really a question of how long he wants to play. Feels like that with Cam. As long as, right. uh, you know, he keeps doing his conditioning and his routine, that body's held up, knock on wood. Yeah, and he's always in attendance at OTAs. And so you right. talked about attendance a little bit. You know, it's something that Cam loves. I think Cam, honestly, like part of the reason I think Cam likes to show up is because he uses it as his fitness regimen, right? When you spend your entire offseason in Spain, you probably do need to do a little bit more in terms of getting ready for the season than if you spent all year at, you know, Axios in San Diego or whatever. I don't know. But one guy who is not in attendance is Michael Thomas. And that is the person who drew the ire of one Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, who had a pretty strong take about it on Sports Talk uh, earlier this week. Michael Thomas should be here, should do the rehab here, all that. I don't care if you're on the sidelines. Okay, I know the offense. No, but you have to look at other guys. Don't be so selfish. You're on the sidelines. Say you're playing pitch and catch. They're doing special teams drills. How about you just catching the ball from the quarterback? So as the media members, uh, we all can look at that. Oh, Michael Thomas was there. You know, we see him talking to the young receivers, trying to get them better. No, it's such a such a selfish act by Michael Thomas not being in New Orleans, considering how well we've compensated him. Like, what the hell? What's up with that? Come on, dude. Uh, You need to be here for the best interest of the team. Because I'm telling you right now, we need Michael Thomas. We don't different offense when he's out there. We don't have we don't have no alpha dog as far as look. Just look what he did to close out the Falcons game in the fourth quarter in, in Atlanta. Uh, I'm talking about that. You might, oh, we got Chris Olave. Chris Olave is little. He's not strong enough. And, and Mike, the guy maybe that we're counting on, uh, now, was he even there today? I don't think they threw him a pass. A.T. Perry. Okay, the rookie from Wake Forest. Now, he looks the part. Uh, 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 Mike, uh, now, what, he's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, whatever. Uh, he's a big time, uh, looks like a big receiver. They threw him the ball five times, four of them. And it was tough catches. But that's the catches Michael Thomas make. I don't want, I wonder if Michael Thomas knows how much leverage he has and then he takes advantage of the organization. But why take advantage of the organization? You already got paid. 
How about be a good team player? That's why Cam Jarn's almost too good to be true. Bobby, not happy with Mike Thomas not being in attendance. I, I, I disagree. I mean, they're voluntary for a reason. If guys aren't allowed to not show up, then they're not voluntary. Then they're involuntary. Like, he doesn't live here full time. And I guess that's something that Bobby takes offense to is he doesn't live here. But it's like, I would much rather live in Malibu. Like, I get it. To me, there there is that chance. And I know it's not likely that while he's not even on the field doing work on the side, who's to say Thomas isn't in the building that we don't know that? Well, for example, Nick Saldaveri was there, right? When we saw him in the locker room after practice, he was not on the field. He also was not in a walking boot, which if you go look at the rookie tour or whatever they did, you know, they, they eat all the crawfish for the first time and they figure out yeah. how to do it. He was in a walking boot for that video. They, they Like you could see it. So I think that probably is progression there, that he's not in that all the time. Anyway, he was there. He was not at practice. So like when you just look at the attendance reports, who knows? I don't think Mike Thomas is in the building right now. Right. I agree. Um, I do think he will be. But like, for example, I don't expect him to be out on the sideline at mandatory minicamp all three days, maybe one day. But I do expect him to be in the building all three days. Either way, I don't have an issue with veteran players not showing up. I think Cam Jordan honestly ruins the curve for some of these guys because he wants to be there and he lives here. And I do think that that's something that a lot of people ignore is the scheduling element of all of this. Think about when you were in school. And you got out for the summer, right? That was great for you as a kid. You know who that annoyed? Your parents. (laughs) Not because they don't love you, because they had to figure out what to do with you, right? Right. They had that block (laughs) of time when you were around. They had to keep you entertained all day. They had to make sure you weren't burning the house down. These people have kids. These people have wives, right? And I don't don't think DeMario would mind us sharing this. Like when we were in the locker room, DeMario's son was there kind of just hanging out, right? And DeMario was not at the first OTA. He was at the second one. I don't think he went to his son and be like, oh, do you desperately want to hang out in the locker room and play with your iPad for five hours as I practice with the team and do meetings? No, it's because child care is a factor, right? I don't have an issue with it. I really don't think it's a big deal when guys don't show up. If he doesn't show up for minicamp, mandatory minicamp, fine. Like, go all in on him. I'm not going to pretend... The the other thing he says is, we've paid him so much money. I haven't paid Mike Thomas a dime. (laughs) You know who has paid Mike Thomas is Gail Benson and the Saints organization. And as long as they're okay with his reason for not being here, then I don't have a problem with it. So I've never understood this take that veteran players not being there at voluntary OTAs is like a major issue. It's not. I think, obviously, Bobby's frustration is the fact that he recognizes how important Michael Thomas is to this offense. And the fact that he's not around, even though we know – you know, we've gotten word that he had hardware removed from his foot. So I guess in his eye, he should be at least in the building, showing face, trying to be a mentor kind of deal. But yeah, I don't have an issue with this right now either because it is voluntary and whatever whatever Mike needs to do to get ready, please just be good to go for this season because we, we, we know how much of a difference maker he is, obviously. And uh, to get on the same page with Derek Carr is going to be, you know, a, a big task to do but i'm pretty confident that they'll end up working this out hopefully because the the fact of this offense being stuck in the mud last year i think was a lot of the fact that yeah they didn't have that true number one guy and we're relying way too much on chris olave who did great obviously his rookie season but you need that dude you need mike thomas we've talked about contested catches we've talked about you know having that reliable safety net uh, for a quarterback, and he's all that. Can't guard Mike, just can't be on the sideline come the start of the year, and that's m- my most important thing. Yeah, and I think the part of Bobby's gripe I can understand is that, okay, if you want to be a team leader, you have to be here leading the team. And I agree with that, but at the same time, I don't need Mike Thomas to be a team leader. I need Mike Thomas to be a player on the team that is available. And yeah. I'm fine with him focusing on himself because – I don't need him to be a, be a leader in the locker room. Do you have leaders in the locker room? <laughs> you need a healthy player. And we, if we want to complain, it's like Ryan Ramchick isn't here either. Marshawn Lattimore isn't here either. Why aren't we complaining about them? Because they're veterans and we understand. And, you know, like Mike Thomas, for all of his great attributes, being a vocal leader in the locker room, I don't think is one of them. And it's like, that's just not how it is for all every player, right? Chris Olave is a good example too. Like, he is a very fiery player on the field. He's a guy that I think is very talented, but you hear him talk and it's like, you don't, 
you don't kind of project that to like, oh yeah, he's going to be in the locker room firing people up. It's just not his skill set. And I think that's true of Mike as well. Either way, I think this is the time of year where we get worked up about things that don't really matter. And I think that's one of them. And you mentioned another name too, not there right now, Taysom Hill. No one's bad an eye on that one. Yeah, except for Louise Lockett, who thinks that he's he's imprisoned one of our dedicated listeners, very big Taysom Hill fans. But yeah, it's uh, I don't have an issue with it. Alvin Kamara, another example of guys who aren't here. So it's like, if you're going to have that energy for Mike Thomas, have the same energy for Ryan Ramchek, right? Have the same energy for James Hurst and Andres Pete, right? Like, it can't just be about Mike. That's my opinion. To me... I have the issue, and we don't we don't know what's going on with certain players, obviously, but to me, guys like Andrews Pete, a Traquan Smith, it's like, what the hell are you not doing at OTAs? Here's the thing. Again, you're a veteran player. There are yeah. things, right? Like it's not all about like Cam spent the entire offseason in Spain. He wasn't there for the workout programs like throughout the offseason, but that's fine, right? He's there now. They're gonna be there when it counts. They're gonna be there when it's mandatory. Not an issue, right? If you want to make it mandatory, make it mandatory. <laughs> Otherwise, what's the point of calling it voluntary if guys don't show up when we freak out about it? I, I feel it's like, you know, pe- people think of it as, oh, that work meeting that, you know, you don't have to be there, but you should. That's it's not the case here. This, is, is, this really is considered voluntary. There's no demerits for not showing up. I love me a work meeting I don't have to be at. <laughs> It's a voluntary meeting. No problem. See you later. Yeah. I'll catch the recording. Anyway, let's wrap that segment up. We went deep on that and we're going to come back. We're going to have some sound from Jameis. I do want to hear more from him. Had some interesting things today about, you know, it's the first time we talked to him, like why he came back, all that sort of stuff. And then we're going to close out with, you know, more, a lot about Alante Taylor, another Bobby Hebert hot take, which I'm dying to get into. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller. WWL. Stick around. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Thanks for listening, as always. This segment, I just want to get straight into it. Jameis Winston talked in the locker room for the first time since re-signing. You know, it's because he's now the backup. We don't talk to him all the time. It's kind of a strange transition. You don't typically go from starting quarterback, guy who talks to the media basically every week after every game. Now he's just a guy in the locker room who... It's kind of weird when he talks because he doesn't have any starting quarterback information to share, but he he had probably the longest interview I've ever heard for a non-starting quarterback in the locker room this week. And he was asked, you know, why'd you come back? Why did you make the decision to stay here? He said a lot of interesting things. And so without further ado, here is a good chunk of that interview. I, I believe in this team that we have, great defense, great offense. And uh, and last year, you know, we had a lot of opportunities to break open some games. But uh, with the addition of Derek, I think he's going to bring a, a lot of good things to this team. How do you feel? Uh, I'm getting healthy, man. But yeah. I, I feel good. I'm still working. It's going to be a working process. But uh, I'm just excited that it's football season. I'm excited that uh, we get to go out there and toss the ball around and uh, everyone just is back. Uh, it's getting closer to my dream. Man. Yeah. Which injury has sort of still has to get back to 100%? Uh, I think the main thing, 
think it's my overall health. Uh, so I, I'm just going to continue to, to work on that. I, I can't uh, really get particular with you on, because uh, over, overcompensation of other things as you open up other stuff. But uh, the main thing is just focusing on uh, getting back holistically healthy so I can be my best uh, when the opportunity presents itself. What have been your early impressions of Derek? Uh, I think he's a fun-loving guy. Uh, I think uh, he, he's a great he's a great leader. He he's uh, he's relatable to everybody. Uh, he's high energy uh, and he's just very bright. What are some things about him that you learned that you didn't know like, before he got here? Uh, it's not, it's not much that I that I that I didn't know uh, about him. Me and him are pretty close until when we came into this league. So I always uh, look from afar. I always admire him as a as a quarterback, and he's done some great things. Uh, I'm just happy that he gets the opportunity uh, to have a great defense and uh, get a chance to team up with with Pete Carmichael in this offensive scheme and, and, and do what he does best, and that's throw that ball. You said you trust this organization. You're familiar with this organization. Was there anything that had to be mended? sit down and talk and feel good about you know where you two were after last year I know there was some question about you know you know your role and, and how it's communicated to you and stuff well well because I think whether it's is upstairs or in in, in my like my accountability, my accountability is to the best dependability is availability. And uh, the past you know three years or so, I've, I've been banged up, you know. So uh, the leadership, you know, they have to continue to, to move forward. And uh, and I just know uh, when I first got here into this organization that we were gonna have you know some of the top players, we we're gonna have uh, some some of the best coaches. So uh, in, in terms of trust in this organization, I just know this organization, uh, especially uh, during the Sean Payton era. Uh, has been very successful, and uh, Dennis has brought, uh, has basically carried that over uh, because he is uh, built to be a successful head coach. So for me, my accountability is just focusing on my health and being ready when that opportunity uh, presents itself. Is there anything you're doing differently, training wise, to help get healthier? The biggest thing, like I just had, I just had some rough injuries. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it takes time with, with those things, but uh, obviously, just my training regimen uh, isn't as strenuous. As it, has, as it has been uh, over the past few years, uh, just to, to get some mobility things and, and things like that. But uh, what's important is that we back playing football uh, and we're here. So uh, once you're here, you got to show up and show out. Yeah, and so there's Jameis. He looks good. He looks mobile. But one thing that I thought was interesting, he said, is that he still is not 100%, which I think to some extent when he says that, he means like, He's never going to be 100% in that, right, like, you're right. always working on something or other. He said he want like, his goal was to have his legs be as fresh as when he first came into the league as, you know, a 22-year-old or whatever he was, which, you know, it's probably unreasonable to expect that. But either way, I do think that w when when you're talking to him and he's explaining why he came back, part of the reason is I think he needs to prove to other teams that he is healthy before he feels like he can go out and get a chance to be a starting quarterback and he needs to yeah, prove himself that he's healthy. Yeah, and earn a, a good paycheck. Uh, obviously, you're, he's getting paid pretty well to be a backup, but it ain't starter money. Right. Like, I think there was a reasonable situation that you could have projected where he went and got a starting job and made less this year than he's making with the Saints. <laughs> Hmm. And like if you like if you go if you went to Carolina and like was the bridge for Justin Fields right or, or another situation like that you know I, I don't know like I think he, when he goes and tries to be a starter in the NFL he wants to feel like he has a legitimate shot to be a starting quarterback for that team and not just be okay I'm gonna start four games and they're gonna they're gonna undermine me at every turn because this team isn't ready to win and then I'm gonna get you know Bryce Young's gonna take over. Right, that's what Andy Dalton signed on for this year. Like he knows he's not the long-term starter for that team, um, but Jameis still sees himself as being a starting quarterback in the NFL. That's what he said in this interview. Like he still believes he's a starting quarterback. He's only 29. There are NFL players, NFL quarterbacks who you know have made their mark in their 30s. Kurt Warner is a good example of a guy who you know kind of got kicked off a team twice and then ended <laughs> up making a Super Bowl with the Cardinals. It's just an opportunity thing in a lot of cases. Jeff Garcia is a good example of a guy who kind of was a freelancer and then showed up on a team that had playoff ambition. So I think that for Jameis, this season for him is just being ready. The Saints know fully well how important it can be to have a winning caliber backup quarterback, a backup quarterback that can go in and win you games, not even in as a starter, just in relief. And so they're, you know, like we, I keep hearing rumors like, oh, maybe they'll trade him for this and that. Like the Saints kept him around in part because of the cap situation, but also in part because Derek Carr goes down in the second quarter of a game and Jameis has to go in there. You feel like he can go in and go win it. 
you know, we saw it happen in Atlanta last year. Like he has the ability to go in and go take a game in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I think that's kind of where he's at. And if he can do that, if he gets opportunities this year and he shows out, then maybe this time next year, we're talking about, oh, okay. He's taken over for the Raiders. He's taken over for the Dolphins. Like what if Tua has another run of head injuries and has to retire? Like suddenly there's an opening in Miami with an offense that loves to move the ball around. Yeah, the, the trade talk to me, uh, I, I don't get it. Uh, there's no way that this team and what we're expecting them to be a quote-unquote contender is going to turn to Jake Hayner, you know, his rookie season and just throw him to the Wolves. If if that scenario happens where you have a Derek Carr go down, you need to have Winston on the roster. He's obviously familiar with the team's offense and what they're doing. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, he's had to deal with those injuries that have kept him off the field. He knows it. And I don't know, uh, we've talked about it a ton, too, that he's done nothing but be a great teammate. Um, I think it's good that he stuck around with this team for the sheer fact of you need to have that reliable guy that's been around the block and knows what he's doing. I'm not saying that Jay Kaner can't be that person next year, but I don't want to I don't want to put that on the rookie this season if something were to happen kind of deal. I agree with that. And I think the Saints are in a similar situation to where the 49ers were last offseason, <laughs> right? Where it's like, I think everyone kind of looked at them like, why are you keeping Jimmy Garoppolo? Are you crazy? You're not just going to trade him for whatever you can get, right? And like, it's just similar to the 49ers. I think that the Saints would probably, would trade Jameis, but they'd have to be blown away by an offer. That offer never came last year to the 49ers, at least not one that they were willing to to accept. And I don't expect that offer to come to the Saints. People kind of treat players like pieces on a chessboard. And in reality, changing teams as a quarterback is very difficult to do. In terms of learning that new system in one offseason, learning all the terminology, especially getting to the game late, as Jameis would be if a team traded for him midway through training camp, that's not an easy situation to to deal with. And there's a reason it doesn't happen very often. And there's a reason that when it does happen, it rarely works. Look at Baker Mayfield last year. You think the Panthers were happy with what they got out of him? That's why when he went to the Rams and he won that game against the Raiders on that crazy fourth quarter comeback, everyone was like, wow, he got here on Tuesday. How did he do this? It's because he doesn't even know the play calls. How is he calling the plays? <laughs> like, uh, anyway, it's it's a very unlikely scenario to see a quarterback get traded from the saints this off season. Have and you seen some of the Tampa Bay quarterback footage from OTAs? Yeah. <laughs> they just look like a train wreck. Oh, and I mean, man. that makes me even more sick about that week three game. I know Baker didn't win the game for the Panthers, but they still ended up beating the saints. And I was like, how the hell did you do that? Well, they did that because Alvin Kamara fumbled for a touchdown. I mean, think about and, that. Like, and then you let LaVishka Chanel get loose. And right. Like, oh. Those two plays lost you that game. And that's yeah. when you, you hear coaches and all the coach speak about every play matters and it's a game of inches and it's, a, it's that close. Those two plays, that was the game. Because the Saints offense was unable to move the ball. It was in large part because Jameis should have never been on the field. It's why the next week he didn't play. And like that's what happens. And so that's why it is important to execute. And when you talk about a guy, does, it's like, oh, he doesn't know the word. He doesn't know the terminology. Like, that's not what you want to cost you a game. And you've seen how simple it can be in terms of men. All of a sudden, that's 14 points against you on two plays that were kind of freak plays that you could have prevented in a game where you probably weren't scoring 17. So, yeah, like every every element matters. So you hear teams preach special teams. Like, yeah, that matters. It's important. It can change a game. Look at the Super Bowl. Look at Kadarius Tony taking that ball down to the one on that punt. That changed that game for the Chiefs. Anyway, I am interested to see how Jameis operates. And I don't think a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL would be able to thread the needle he's trying to thread here and not be a detriment in the locker room. Like, there are players who have done it. Jimmy Garoppolo did a fine job of it last year. It happens. But it is unusual and you have to give him credit for the maturity that is required to have your job taken away and have the option to leave and be like, you know what, this is the best situation for me this year. I'm going to stick around. You know, he 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 was he's given every opportunity to be like, no, this team screwed me over, right? Even Mike Triplett in that interview was yeah. like, hey, do you have anything you'd like to air out? And he's like, nah, I'm good. And so that's cool. Yeah, and obviously, you know, it seemed a bit odd last season. I don't know if, if you want to say the Saints done, Jameis wrong kind of deal, but I did not expect him to be back this season. 
after what transpired last year, you know, him being anointed the starting quarterback and then whatever transpired afterwards with him getting hurt and then not getting the job back when he seemed like he was healthy enough. But yeah, it's going to be something to, to watch Jameis. I think that if that time does come for him, uh, obviously it'll be really interesting to see how he responds because yeah, how, even being a backup quarterback, if we don't see him all year, how's he going to get paid in the future kind of deal? How, when is a team going to be able to unload some money and trust him to be their starter? I just don't know and see that happening. He's still not that old though, either. 29. Yeah. I mean, he's like as a quarterback and this is one question I don't think it was in that clip that we played, but it was one question that was asked that I think is a good point is, you know, when you're a quarterback, you do have the luxury of saying, you know what, I'll take a season and just kind of figure it out because you can play way into your thirties. You know, like one of the things that should be possible for Jameis is get healthy and at age 30 have actual prospects of, okay, this team needs a starting quarterback. It could be me as a running back. You hit 30. No one's looking at you twice. You might be a backup. You might be Adrian Peterson going and freelance for the saints for two games. And then they're like, yeah, we like Alvin. That's your prospect as a running back, even as a wide receiver. Like you, you're, you're, it's hard to like DeAndre Hopkins market is going to be fascinating to me because I don't know if it's going to be what everyone expects it to be. Um, he's a guy who's been dealing with a lot of injuries. He's getting up there in age. And is he going to command a, a major deal? Is he going to command like a Devonte Adams type contract? I don't know. But as a quarterback, you know, you can do that. You can get healthy. And I think for Jameis, it's more about when he does take a stab at that job. He wants it to be a situation where he feels like he can do it at 100%. The team is getting a good chance. And he is giving his best shot at earning that job. <laughs> this is also the first offseason in a while. I mean, since Drew Brees, that this Saints team is trying to prepare a starting quarterback in the first year in this system. Good point, right. With Jameis, he had a full year sitting behind Drew so that when he started in week one, he was ready. Like, he had it. Like, there was no question whether he understood the system. There was a question whether he could execute the system. Even last year with Andy Dalton, like, you could say, okay, it was his first year, but he sat for three games, right? Like, he got to watch it. He didn't have to go out there week one and prove that he knew the system. He got to deal with it for three games and then go out there, which is an advantage, right? (laughs) That's not what you're doing with Derek Carr. So I think it is actually a significant advantage. And when you talk about why did they keep Jameis around, I think Jameis is going to be very helpful for Derek Carr. It's going to be a very, very useful resource for him that I think the Saints were ready to take advantage of. And it was just a question of whether Jameis wanted it. And like you hear Jameis talk about it, and he is very supportive of Derek Carr. He's always been a big fan, as he said. And this is what he had to say on the quarterback room, which I thought was another another good comment that we can get into. It's the NFL. You know, uh, you know, they say they say not for long. You know, you could be in and out of the sleep, but uh, I'm I'm happy uh, and, and grateful, you know, that I, I know we got the best quarterback room in the NFL, you know, by far. But uh, you know, we this this uh, this division is wide open and you know, winning the division championship is on our mind. Like we have to we have to do that and uh, we have a veteran quarterback. I mean we got the, we probably have the oldest quarterback room uh, uh, throughout the division. So uh, this is a great opportunity for us to uh, take our highs and, and build on it. So do they? Do they have the best quarterback room in the NFL? What do you think? <laughs> That's what I started going through in my head right now, and I'm trying to think of all the backups to even like, you know, your, your obviously elite teams uh, or elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And nothing's really jumping off to me. I do think it's a great scenario. I don't know if it's the best one, obviously, in the NFL. Well, yeah, it, it's – I think when you make that comment, you're valuing the backup highly yes. in terms of – because I don't think anyone's going to argue that Derek Carr is the best quarterback in the NFL. But it's like, okay, are you talking like uh, Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley? Like – you know, yeah. like that's kind of thing, you know, like Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor last year. Meh. And, and also, does it matter? Right. Like if you get to your backup quarterback, where are you? You know, maybe Trey Lance, Brock Purdy is a good example of like either one could start. But if you're valuing the depth of your quarterback room, it probably means that the quarterback starting isn't good enough anyway. So I don't know. I think it's interesting. It's an interesting point because, you know, you look at the 49ers last year. By the end of the season, it was like, okay, can Brock Purdy do it? 
You know, like midway through the season, like, okay, can Jimmy Garoppolo do it? Um, And if your team is good enough, you can get it done with multiple guys. But I appreciate the approach that Jameis has taken. Uh, That's kind of where this is all kind of boiling. I found it, Jeff. Behind Joe Burrow is Trevor Simeon this year. Is he? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, people give Jeff Trevor Simeon crap, and we're talking about backup quarterbacks right now. He did his job as well as you could hope for. And I get it. He lost all four of his starts. But in the two games he went into as a backup quarterback, he went out there and won. And that's your job. When he was asked to be the starting quarterback, he did not succeed. When he was asked to be the backup quarterback, he was excellent. And he did it against the Falcons and he did it against the Bucs, two division games that you needed to win. And when he did it, there was still hope. Like you could say, oh, they didn't make the playoffs. But when he went out there and beat the Falcons, at that point, you thought they were going to make the playoffs, right? Like they, the Rams had to blow a lead against the 49ers. Like the Saints won that game and everyone was thinking at that point, man, Trevor Simeon got us into the playoffs and he was going to have to start that playoff game because Taysom Hill went down with the list Frank injury. So yeah, I mean, like that's the difference. Like, Sure, Jameis, I don't know where he's going to be as a backup quarterback, but like, I'm not asking how he can be as a starter. I'm asking how he can be in relief. And I think Trevor Simeon, if he didn't have to start a game that season, we'd be like, wow, what a great backup quarterback, right? Like, If Jameis went down with a knee injury, but then he was healthy the next week and started and then maybe got hurt again, like that would have been a different story. And we would have been like, wow, Trevor Simeon, what a legend, <laughs> you know? You know what? We didn't get to see him do anything, I don't think, last year in Chicago, huh? He just rolled the pine. So. I think Justin Fields played the whole season. Right. He got that's the one thing with Andy Dalton last year. He fully did not expect to, to take snaps. We came in, we've talked about this too. He was like, Yeah, I'm the backup to Jameis. Now he goes to Carolina thinking he's gonna be the backup to the, the rookie over there. And they were talking about, oh no, we're gonna go with Andy to start kind of thing. Well, you know, it's funny. We talk about Trevor Simeon. We never actually saw Andy Dalton be a backup. We only saw him as the starter and we've actually seen Jameis as a backup. We saw him and he went and won a game as a backup. So he has some experience doing it. That was in 2020. He came in at halftime against the 49ers and he went and won that game. The next week they went with Taysom Hill as the starter. So realistically speaking, we actually have seen Jameis play successfully. I wouldn't say he had his best game, but did come in and go win a game as a backup. And that's where you really want to see. Anyway, we've gone for a long time on Jameis here. Um, (laughs) This is probably going to be the only time we talk about him this entire offseason because I don't think he's going to talk about on this. (laughs) Yeah. Either way, you know, like, I like Jameis. I'm glad to see him still around. I enjoy talking to him. So uh, hopefully, hopefully if the Saints end up needing him at any point this season, he can do it. Yeah, if anything, he brings a little lightheartedness and fun to some post, you know, in your locker room interviews. Fun, dude. Agreed. All right, let's wrap that segment up. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about another hot sizzling Bobby Bear take. I would say it's hotter than the one we've already talked about. <laughs> um, it's about Alante Taylor and Marshawn Lattimore. So keep it locked on Inside Black and Gold. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. One more segment here on the Inside Black and Gold podcast. Subscribe if you haven't already. Wherever you get your podcast, leave a rating, leave a review. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Alongside Steve Geller at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow the latest Saints coverage at WWL.com and on WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 and on the always free Odyssey app. Steve, what are your thoughts about... The now number one, Alante Taylor. Definitely love the swag, confidence, whatever you want to call it. He always brings. Uh, that was even from last year's rookie mini camp. I was like, man, who is this dude? And he just sounds like already that he considered himself a starter in that caliber. And now go and he, he showed it last year uh, and, and did 
pretty well his rookie season. Now interested to see, obviously, what year two has in store for the second round pick. And I thought there were some comments that he made that were kind of interesting because we saw him in the, you know, playing the slot, the nickel role. And he didn't, he's all right with it, but he definitely didn't sound like he was 100% on board with the move, but understands getting, obviously, I, I guess you would say, cross-trained in all these different areas to be that versatile guy. But definitely excited about what to see. What's what's number one now got to do uh, his second season in the league? But there's plenty of uh, competition in that, that secondary group. Paulson Adebo, uh, Bradley Roby, and Marshawn Lattimore, along with Alante. Those are four really solid corners, I think, going into this year. We talked about that last year, too. At the end of the day, I'm still a corner. I don't feel like I've, I've shown that I can't play the position, um, but I don't think the coaches feel that way either. I think I feel like they're just trying to introduce me to something new and just kind of see what I can do with it. Uh, just because, you know, game plan-wise, I may end up having to travel a guy who's a slot receiver one day. Uh, so Coach Woods is big on you know, his corners, knowing how to play the slot, but also playing the outside. So um, I'm open to it, like I said, but I feel like I'm still competing for the outside corner job. And and that's still my number one priority. Yeah, and so as you mentioned, he's wearing one number one now, and it's taken me a couple times because I see twenty seven, and I'm like, oh wait, oh, hold on, that's Isaac Gadam now. Alante's in number one because Mark was Callaway is now with Denver, and he was wearing number one last year. He changed his number. He said it was like a tribute to his grandmother. I, what he was talking about is the slot there, and yeah, I, I, I agree. It's kind of sounds like you know he's willing to play the slot, right? But that's not where he wants to be. He wants to be outside and he's going to fight for that job. And so the question becomes, and we had this question in the, in the mailbag section of the last podcast is, okay, well, whoever wins that job between Paulson Adebo and Alante Taylor, are they going to move in slot in slide inside to the slot? And I think the answer is no. I think that this team, as, as Alante said, there wants everyone to be able to play in the slot to have the ability to go play in the slot. But I think personally, whoever wins that job is going to start at the outside and whoever loses that job between Alante Taylor and Paulson Adebo is going to back up on the outside and play in other roles around, maybe be a gunner, maybe be more involved on special teams. And you're going to have Bradley Roby be the starting slot corner. Maybe a Jordan Howden. Someone stands out in camp and you're like, wow. But I don't think that you're going to have someone battle on the outside all offseason and then be like, no, you're not going to start. Go do something you haven't really done all offseason. Go start at a position that you haven't been focusing on. And you can tell when you talk to Alante that he's focusing on the outside right now. He's battling for that spot. So that's kind of where I, I land on it. But I do think that he is very impressive. And Bobby Bear would agree with that take to an I, what I would say is a pretty <laughs> extreme level. Very bold um, statement, yes. Yeah, here is what he had to say on Sports Talk this week. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore was was not in attendance today, neither Bradley Roby or Paulson Adebo. But Alante Taylor goes to show, man, you talk about you looking at a big-time player here. He played outside. He played in the slot. Wherever they want him to play, Alante Taylor can play. And he's a guy that I think is something Without special. Without a doubt. Uh, he's something special. I think Alante Taylor is right there with Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore has more experience, but Alante Taylor, I think he's surpassed, even with all their NFL experience, Paulson Adebo and Bradley Roby. And I think we need all of them. We need all of them to compete at a high level. But but I'm looking at where uh, Alante Taylor is, Mike. And listen, you know, I've always talked good about Paulson Adebo. I think even in addition uh, when we got Bradley Roby. When I look at Alante Taylor, Mike, that might end up being a steal. But we got now he was what was he second round? He was a second round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that you know a lot of people like he's second round, but he plays like a first round corner. There you go. Bobby thinks that Alante Taylor is Is on par with Marshawn Lattimore, which is a bold take considering he might not even start. And I mean, I, I brought this up to him yesterday, kind of thing, in jest, and I was like, you know. Alante still does. He still hasn't gotten his first interception in the NFL even yet. There were some penalties in that scenario last year. There were some drops though too. But I, I'm like, come on, the guy hasn't even got an interception yet. I can't yeah, he should have had two. I can't have him on par with Marjan. He had one that was overturned on a very soft Chris Harris penalty, and <laughs> one that was overturned on a very poor interpretation of what a catch is. So I mean, like in that sense, I'm not going to hold that against him. He he should have had multiple interceptions. He also had one bounce off his hands. At another point, so he should have had three. 
Anyway, I think Alante Taylor is great. I think he's going to be spectacular. <laughs> I don't think he's there yet. I think where he could actually be better than Marshawn is as a tackler. I think as an open field tackler, he is excellent. Marshawn's not bad, but it's not the strength of his game. Whereas I think that Alante can be a much better run support player. Whereas you're going to, like one of the difficulties in locking up man-to-man on the outside is you're running with your back to the quarterback. You're playing the receiver. They can just run a draw behind you and you are going to have no way to really identify what's happening. Screen games are tough. And so that's why you rely on your linebackers. But you can, in theory, with a guy like Alante play zone on one side, man on the other side, and have him come up and make a tackle. I think he can do that very well and in, in ways that I don't know if Marshawn can. Marshawn, as a cover corner, is as good as it gets. If you're saying Alante is as good as Marshawn as a cover corner right now, it's because Marshawn's not there. <laughs> because you're not seeing him. Because he is that good as yeah. a cover corner. Either way... You know, we talked about Paul Sandebo a lot last offseason, and I think we probably overhyped him a little bit. And so, and that's just part of the offseason, overhyping guys. I think Alante Taylor has the potential to be as good as Marshawn Lattimore. He's not there right now. To me, obviously, right now, right now, Lattimore is at least a top 10 corner in the NFL. And yeah, t- you can't put Taylor there. he's a there. top two corner in the NFL. You have him as what? I think he's a top two corner in the NFL. Wow, okay, so there you go. He would, he would tell you he's top two, but he's not two. <laughs> I would agree with that for sure. But yeah, to me, I will say there, there's that possibility. You know, we look at Alante down the line. He might be a little more dedicated to the craft or to working out or, to, you know what I mean? Like Marshawn, he tends to sometimes have a little bit of lax to that attitude. And even some of the matchups we've seen, some lesser wide receivers take advantage of him because he might not be, quote unquote, trying as hard. And I don't know. We'll see if Alante has more of that constant dog in him. But yeah, there's there's definitely no slight I'm trying to put against Marshawn. But the only thing to me is, yeah, there seems to be sometimes where he needs a little bit of a wake up call. Like, all right, you're not playing Mike Evans this game, but you got to get up and cover X, Y, Z, whoever it happens to be. Yeah, I do worry about him in matchups where there's no like, and I've said this like when the, when they played the Giants, and I was like, who is Marshawn going to shadow? Because they don't have anyone to really focus on. And I think that those are the matchups that he has a harder time with because he likes to just lock in on one guy and take him away. And in certain matchups, that is massively important. In others, it's not. Whereas like when you can take Mike Evans out of that Bucks offense, then it becomes a lot easier to stop them, right? When you can take AJ Brown out of that Eagles offense, it becomes a lot easier to stop them. And it, to be fair, like that's what you need to win in the playoffs. In a random regular season game where you just need to kind of play good defense, it can work against you, I think. But I do think it also goes back to what we were talking about with Mike Thomas is he does a lot of things incredibly well. I don't think that being a vocal leader in the locker room is necessarily one of them. And Marshawn, I feel like this is another guy who's kind of a, a talks with his play type guy. Alvin's the same way. Like occasionally we'll hear about Alvin standing up in the locker room and making a impassioned speech and whatever. In most cases, he's a speak with your play type guy. I think Alante has the potential to be a team leader in a way that you have to be vocal and you have to put up and, sh- and talk big game at the same time. Like he could be a team captain down the road. Right. right. O- almost in the mold. I would say of like that kind of Malcolm Jenkins, I guess you could say. Yeah. It's a good example. You know, and I don't know if they've had that at the cornerback position, right? Like, I'm trying to think of another cornerback that you could say was like a team leader, potential team captain. And I don't know if I, I can't I can't think of any. So, yeah, but I mean, they have a really good track record of second round picks. Michael Thomas was a second round pick, right? You, you look at him as another one of those really good second round picks. Eric McCoy is another example of a second round pick. Why were they drafting that special teams guy in the second round? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll consider that one of my victories is like being like, you guys are dumb on, on day one and being like, oh, special teamer. Like, okay, relax. Wait, a anyway. waste of draft pick. Anyway, Alante's asked about, you know, what he wants his legacy to be with the Saints, and here's what he had to say. I feel like I'm still working on that. Uh, you know, I just want everybody to to know that, you know, I can be the, the next Marshawn, if not the better Marshawn. But like I said, my own legacy, my own way, just the way I play the game. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get more involved into the community. Um, I feel like, you know, New Orleans has a lot to offer that I haven't got to see yet. So working on just kind of getting into the community just so people can know me outside of, you know, the helmet and just the hard-hitting corner. 
I was hoping you were going to get to this because he because he mentions it obviously, but he says I can be not that I've arrived yet yeah. though either, right? Yeah, no, I mean like, and you want guys to feel like that. You want guys to to sure. feel like they're always pushing for something. And I feel like Demario Davis is a good example of that, right? Like Demario, the first few years of his career, you know, he wasn't. You know, we we talked about the last few years, like how has he never made a Pro Bowl? Well. Part of that's because the first few years of his career, he was middling, right? He played with the Jets. He was with the Browns. He was solid, but he wasn't the guy we know. He wasn't the Demario Davis that's been a team leader on the Saints for so long. And I think that, you know, I don't know if Lante needs to go somewhere else to be that guy, but I do see a lot of the same qualities in just in terms of the work ethic, in terms of how he composes himself, how he speaks to people, how he leads that group. And you can kind of profile him as a team leader the same way Demario, when he goes up there and talks, you're like, okay, this is a guy that, you can see it's like you put him in the pregame huddle and he's going to fire people up. And I think you can, you can kind of see the same type of qualities in, in Alante as DeMario. Yeah. You mentioned that with DeMario Davis. And to me, it, it definitely blows my mind with the fact that the jets and Browns had a guy like that in the locker room. And it's like, was he not as vocal then? I, I don't know, but cause I can't imagine you letting that voice leave kind of thing, because I, I, I just see him as, Obviously, one, so important on the field, but two, just a big motivator and and team guy that unites guys in the locker room. And it just the Jets let him go twice for crying out loud. Or was it the Browns? The Jets and the Browns. Yeah. I think he went back to the Jets. I, right, I don't right. remember. Either way, the Saints <laughs> signed him, and, and I don't think they've regretted it. You know, Definitely one thing not. that happened this week, and we can kind of close on this, is, you know, Damara Davis talked, and he had a lot of interesting things to say. I, you know, I talk about how maybe Alante Taylor can be a team leader down the road when – you, if you would lose a voice like Demario Davis at some point, he is eventually going to retire. I don't know when that is. And funnily enough, I don't think Demario knows when that is because he was asked about it multiple times this week. And this is what he had to say. That is a tremendous question. Um, I do think about it all the time. But where I, I'm learning to live in my individual life, I'm not there yet. It's try not to process life from my my head so much. Um, and try to let what's happening inside of my heart kind of speak to me. You know, I, I, I profess my faith in God, but it's a lot easier for me to try to figure out what he wants from me instead of me just waiting till he shows me what's next. And so all I know is he's showing me right now uh, that this season is coming up and I need to be ready for it. And so that's where I'm trying to be as present and be right there. And then he'll show me what's next. And uh, if I can be patient and wait on that, it'll be a lot better than me trying to figure it out myself. Because once I get up here, it's going bad. Knowing that the level that you have played the game at, would you ever play if you could not play at a certain level? That's a that's another great question. Yeah, you on fire today, my man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's challenging questions. I've always said if I wasn't playing at the level that I would want to be playing at at the highest, um, then I would, you know, be ready to walk away from the game. But when you're not on your own time and you're on God's time, he may have me here for different reasons, such as relationships and mentoring other guys in the locker room. Um, or using the platform to have impact on the field. And so that's why I have to try to stop trying to figure it out on my time because it's not just about me. It's about what he knows in his providential way uh, of bringing it all together. And so, you know, if I was on my own time, yeah, I I would say that. But I'm not on my own time. I'm on his time. And so I want to be in this game as long as he has me here, um, happily doing exactly what he wants me to do, whether that's going out and being – a star on the field or there's been a background guy helping guys in the locker room. I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, or, or hope that my heart becomes cool with being cool with it. Hopes that his heart becomes cool with being cool with it. You know, we've talked about this. And one thing that is a pet peeve of mine is when you ask someone a serious question and then they're just like, Oh, God will tell me. <laughs> and that's basically what, right. What, uh, the old Jameis God's plan kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like when Jameis came off the field after just heaving it up to Mark was Calloway and like, it was God's plan coach. <laughs> like, but that, I think what Sean said was like, this other guys have a God too. <laughs> but you know, in, in this case, I actually don't have an issue with it because I like genuinely, I don't think DeMario Davis knows. Like Cam Jordan, for example, when you ask him when he's planning on retiring, he said that year 10, he, he was the plan was always to check in with his body and to kind of think about it and, and figure out what the next 
if he's going to keep going. He, obviously, it worked out. Next benchmark, year 13. That was this year. Decided to keep going. Next benchmark is year 15. He's going to keep going until then, and then he's going to think about it again and make that decision. Malcolm Jenkins told us that at, after year 10, every offseason, he was like, okay, is this the year? And he decided not to, and then I think he got to year 12. I can't remember. Either way, like that. then he eventually said, you know what? It's time. Drew Brees said every offseason, basically since 2017, he had to make that decision every offseason. I asked Demario Davis two years ago if at year 10 he was going to be like, okay, I'll start thinking about it. And his reaction was like, how dare you ask me that question? <laughs> but he did answer it. And I, but I think like the way he kind of responded to that is like, he's not thinking about it. It's like when it's time, it's time. And I think that's his way of saying that. And he's obviously a very devout religious guy. So he's going to couch it in his faith and all that. I think that's what he's saying is like, he's not, setting any benchmarks for, okay, I have to make a decision by this year. This is when I'm going to start really considering it. He's going to let his his play on the field kind of and his, and his ability to do all the work make that determination for him. And I, I think that's fair. You know, and I think when he's not able to play at the level, he's going to be honest with himself that he's not able to play at the level that's good enough to be a starting NFL linebacker. That's when he, he'll make that decision. Yeah, a career high in sacks last year. He ain't going nowhere yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think his game has changed a little bit Definitely. and he kind of, he, he kind of gave a, you know, a, a little ribbing to the, to the media who's been like saying he's too old because he hears that stuff. He does pay attention. And I think that he is a different player right now than he was maybe four or five years ago, but that's not a necessarily a bad thing. I just don't, I don't think he's a volume tackler anymore. I think that's why Pete Werner being in that role is helpful because he's going to be a guy who can fly around the field and make those tackles. He needs to be a cover linebacker and be able to do that and also get upfield and affect the quarterback. And so I, I think that's kind of where his game has adjusted this last couple seasons. I don't think that eight sack or whatever season was a mirage. I think that's going to be what you see from him a little bit more as, as he progresses later into his career. But I don't think he's lost a step in the sense that he can't chase guys down to the edge of the field. He just needs to rely on his brain a little bit more than he might have in years past where he needs to make sure he's not taking false steps rather than being able to recover from false steps in real time, if that makes sense. Like you said, there's there's no drop-off in what we've seen from uh, production and DeMario on the field. And honestly, you look at this Saints linebacking group, there better not be because uh, it's a – not a very deep position with experience, I'll say at least, obviously. There's a lot of unproven talent that we need to see more of come through there. But, I mean, yeah, DeMario the, the and Cam are your two main guys on this team. And, you know, you've mentioned it. It's no no secret. Obviously, no one can beat Father Time. Eventually, they are going to take a downswing in production. And I just don't see it. It hasn't been a huge drop off for either one right now. No, and I mean, it kind of just comes full circle. When when that time does come, you need guys to step up and be team leaders, and a guy like Alante Taylor makes a lot of sense in that in that in that kind of vein. Um, but that's a, that's all I had. Do you have anything else you want to you want to hit on before we get out of here? No, one more week of the voluntary workouts before we get into mandatory time, and yeah, that's when things get really interesting. Obviously, just because it's like, well, there's no excuse for not being around then. Yeah, I am. I am interested to see. So week one, you had Tyron show up who probably didn't have to. And he was kind of doing that job of being the the mentor, the veteran mentor. Cam's always there. This Mario, I expect we won't see Demario again, but I bet there's going to be somebody. I bet it's like a Taysom Hill or like I get I bet you get one. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they organized it this way is they, they kind of figure it out. Like maybe Marshawn shows up and you just kind of get that one week where he can kind of talk to the younger kids and kind of lead them through drills and stuff. I think that's probably what we're going to see. I'm interested, too, just because of the fact, too, obviously we came back Tuesday, Memorial Day weekend. Maybe some of the guys that were present decided to take an extra long weekend and didn't show up for Tuesday's section. But we we don't know what happened on Wednesday and Thursday at practice in the second week of OTAs, obviously, because we weren't there. Maybe it's possible. That, yeah. And that, that, I do that's think a little that, bit of the, the tough part of obviously just getting to see one session each week. Yeah. And I think that's also too like, don't overreact to the attendance. Yes, exactly. You're only doing it because there's nothing else to talk about. <laughs> That's the right. only reason it's happening. It was like, you got to talk about something and be like the only thing of note rather than, hey, they, they Derek Carr completed four of six passes in the drills we kind of halfway watched. Obviously, um, if Derek Carr wasn't there, that'd be news. 
Yeah, if Derek Carr doesn't show up, then yeah, we can talk about that. Um, I think he will. But <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. saying even for the voluntary stuff, it's like you need your new quarterback there. Obviously, it's even though it's not mandatory, it kind of is mandatory for Carr. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, let's wrap this up. I know I did promise we'd talk about Rashid Shahid. We ran out of time, but we will have an episode early next week. So I figure we can get into that and kind of talk about, you know, one more week of Rashid Shahid and preview what we're looking at. He's been very good, and we have some clips from him. He's bulked up a little bit to 185. So I, I think we mentioned that earlier. So I think we should at least mention what we were referencing. Uh, he's bulked up a bit. And, I, you know, because I had talked about that, like he, he's wearing 22 now. He looks a little bigger. Maybe it's a mirage, but he has actually gained some weight. Uh, picked up some bulk and he's still fast. Still so used to that number there too. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that on Monday when we kind of preview the next set of OTAs and then obviously the final OTAs and then we'll get into mini camp and then we'll have a month off. Yay. But all right. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks everyone. As always, if you haven't subscribed yet, do that wherever you get your podcast, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe on YouTube at WWL sports. Check us out. The latest saints coverage at WWL.com. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller WWL and every night on Sports Talk 5.30 to 8 p.m. on WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 and the always free Odyssey app. I'm getting better at saying that real fast. I'm Jeff Nowak at Jeff underscore Nowak. Any parting thoughts, Steve? Check us out Friday after the LSU game. We'll be coming on to do a wrap and I'm sure we'll, you know, wrap on the game obviously and i'm sure we'll mix in some saint stuff yeah i'll have some stuff to complain about for sure (laughs) all right y'all be easy later everyone